there and then I know God can do anything. I know in him we live and we have our being and I stand to praise him. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Unseen Story. Brooke and Adam here today, and um, I'm—I don't know—I think I might sound a little too jovial and happy for this story because the storyteller we have for you today is so sweet and so soft-spoken, and here I am with my loud, boisterous <laughs> voice, <laughs> being a, a little too much. Very, very sweet story. Uh, remarkable, remarkable man. You might want to. Grab maybe a Kleenex. Oh, or, or three. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't know. We it doesn't need any introduction. It doesn't really need an introduction. We'll just let this one speak for itself. You're listening to Joseph's story. God has something for you. Hi, my name is Joseph. I am from Uganda and working with Hopeshine Uganda in the city of Kampala. We work with girls and women and we support them uh, through empowerment and skills development. I work with my wife of two years. We are blessed with one little boy called Nolan. Um, my dad passed on when I was 10 years, and um, from a family of seven, my mom did not have any job, and then she took us to a local church for her to find help for us. That's when there was that moment when I knew I understand who God was. The, the pastor called out those who wanted to give their lives to Jesus, and I did go in front. I was one of the youngest people to go in front, but there, there was that peace that I felt, that inner joy that I felt. I did not feel anymore that my lack, my the poverty from my family, uh, my lack of basic need was an issue. I was now content because I knew that God can take care of it. I knew what I needed was him. I knew at that moment that he's all that I've got and he's enough. My pastor then started really helping to support my mom and all of us. But of course, it was so hard because this is a village church with lots of kids. My really dream was to get through school. And 
I remember I went through seven schools, primary schools, not because I was a bad kid, but because I would not be able to pay. I would default then. They send me away. I would jump into another school, be there for a while, then uh, send me, uh, they send me away. So in so many different schools. And I really, I wanted to go to school. So I used to walk about two to four miles in the morning, bare feet. This is a place where there is rocks on the road. Uh, it's very cold, rocks on the road. The roads are not paved. Those moments of you're walking, you're alone, you're, you're feeling alone, you, you're hoping to get at school in the cold and you're not sure about the lunch. But remember, I was not a paying student. I wasn't paying. So you're going and hoping maybe your, your friend who is paying will share their meal with you. Or you are looking at coming back at home and your mother has, has some vegetable for you from the garden or like God has provided. So there was no like, assurance, but God always provided in some way. I used to feel within me... Um, God has a purpose for me. He is allowing that to happen. What does he want me to reach toward to? And so I had to allow myself to go through it, knowing that, oh, Joseph, tomorrow there's something God has for you. And I knew that the God that I received was going to make a way. I had to keep believing him. I kept my faith up. To, to finish primary school, I did not get the, pep, the, the certificate for finishing. Then I was able to join a high school where I was tossed around the same way. Um, so I was uh, trying to cheat the system, trying to learn uh, until senior, uh, senior three. This is a time when people from the United States came to my local church and they were looking for kids to support. They started uh, like an orphanage. They had me and my sister and my brother and other kids that's really when my life stabilized. And it's when I started, it's when I wore shoes, it's when I slept on a mattress, it's when I started having meals and I stabilized in, in school. I went to one of the best schools in my community and I knew that it's, it's the prayer I'd always prayed for. And this is God really answering my prayer.
So while I was at this school, my sister, my older sister, got pregnant at the age of 15. So I grew up seeing what she was going to do, no man in her life, the, the guy who had gotten her pregnant, and uh, the community did not want to really, she was looked at as worthless. And, and so I go on with my education and I get a scholarship to join the university. And this is when uh, in my uh, second year at the university, that was in 2012, there was a girl in that community. This is 360 kilometers away from my hometown in the city where I was living in the hostel and a girl, same as my sister's age, she is in our hostels asking for clothes to wash and just to feed herself. And a few weeks later, she's not around and her mother comes around asking for her to do her job of washing clothes. And I asked her, where is, where is Jacqueline? And she tells me, Jacqueline is in trouble. She got pregnant and, and now is in the village to take some herbs so that the baby can be terminated. I knew how, she, how old she was, exactly like my sister then. And I knew that this is not just randomly happening. This is God pointing me towards something. And definitely there were, there were many moments where I did not think I qualified to, to do anything or to say anything because she's pregnant. I'm not a, a doctor, but I knew what they were going to do was wrong. But God was putting it on my heart that I needed to do something. No matter who I am, God was... I felt that compelling that I needed to step in. It took a while before I knew exactly how, but somehow I needed to do, to do something. And the only way I knew how, I did not have any, any money. Uh, so but I was on fire for God and involved in ministry at my university. And we started going to schools to talk about living a pure life, the purity programs with uh, school-going kids. But with Jackie, I knew partly why what happened happened. The guy that got her pregnant was offering thing, uh, something she did not have, a physical need. It was God, really, I felt that uh, God was directing me to do something because no one else was doing it. I told Jacqueline's mama to go and 
get Jackie and I spoke to to them and they decided to keep the baby because they all they were, were wondering is how are they going to be feeding this baby? How are they going to take care of this baby? So I used to get some small money uh, from uh, the people who were supporting my education, some spending money. So I would support, I started supporting them and my sponsors had some piece of land that was unused. I asked for it to plant crops for me to be giving out this food to people like Jacqueline and the mother. So uh, that's when I really knew that I needed to do something. And after praying, I knew this is what I I wanted to do. This is where God was calling me to serve him. And I obeyed. So that's when I, in my second year, I formed a ministry called Teenage Mothers Outreach. It has now changed the name as of 2023. It has changed the name to Hopsha in Uganda. But what we do is we reach out to women and girls who are abused, who end up pregnant and they don't know what to do. And we empower them for them to be able to support themselves and their children. And we care for their eternal soul. We always point them to Jesus. And so that's when um, my ministry started in 2012. And 2013, I get a full-time job and started working full-time. I have someone uh, running the ministry and... uh, 2016, I reduced the amount of time I was working at my full-time job to concentrate some time on my ministry. And 2017, I have people from uh, a ministry called Engage Hope step in to really support our programs. And that's when I started saving some of my salary to be in my savings account rather than spending it. Praise God who provided. And so throughout the the years, I've seen God provide uh, for this little boy in a village in, in southwest Uganda whose father has passed on no hope of education, but... This boy, myself, I receive, I, I receive Christ as my personal savior. And there and then I know God can do anything. I know in him we live and we have our being. I have hope in him. He has done that. And I just uh, stand to praise him. I stand to praise him. Yeah, definitely got a little teary-eyed on that one. How can you not? I mean, for someone to go through all that he has gone through and to care for others the way that he does, I mean, his faith is just incredible. 
big. And his willingness to serve young girls. In the slums. Yeah, in the slums. Oh, man. Um, I, I just... I'm blown away by him and so humbled. I, I'm just, I feel so honored that we got his story. Yeah, it was it, it was a blessing for sure. I, I was connected to him through a friend of mine and he was in town for two weeks um, just fundraising, meeting, connecting with people over here. And uh, he's partnered with uh, Engage Hope and um, and so I'll be sure to put a link um, to Joseph's uh, website and Engage Hope in the show notes if you want to find out more information. One thing he did say that uh, didn't make it into the story is that they last year served 157 women. It's a one-year-long program. There's a there's a um, like an apprenticeship the last couple months of the program, and so they had 157 girls go through that program last year. And I believe since 2017, they've had between 100 and 157 girls every year uh, go through and that there's more need than they have space. So they're capped at 157. Which is why they're only able to reach 157 each year. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. So they've been capped almost every year. Wow. And they're teaching the girls a bunch of different skills that can then generate yeah, money for them. Tailor- tailoring, hair care, like a beautician mm-hmm. uh, type work. Um, there's some microfinance that they do to help the girls. Uh, they give them interest uh, in a savings program that they have. They purchase um, when they when they graduate from the program. They purchase things for them to launch their business. Wow. Um, so like there's a, a success story of a, a woman he told me about that went through the program uh, and she, they gave her a sewing machine and then now um, several years later she had bought, was able to buy, purchase a little piece of land, build a small house and inside that house she has been able to create a little workspace and has multiple sewing machines I mean, and going from someone who was kicked out of multiple schools um, for various reasons, not because he didn't want to be there or he didn't want to learn. It was all financial, I believe. Yeah. So he couldn't pay. They have to pay to be in school and he would eventually not be able to pay. And then he would get, I don't know what the dismissal process Mm -hmm. looks like, Mm -hmm. but wouldn't be able to go back. So, And that's where he's getting his food and probably. Well, that's what he, he... he said it was on average he got a meal per day mm. um, and that there were days I'm sure that he went without food. And so I think, yeah, to have that at that age, 11, 12, the no shoes, walking, you know, a great distance to school to just have that confidence that my God's going to make a way. You know, every day, my God's going to make a way. And and just like that, like from from the onset of, of belief, he knew that his heavenly father was going to provide for him. His faith was just so strong. Mm. And I think that's a convicting kind of thing for me because I, I, I don't know about you, but definitely have a much shorter view of like when... God should answer my prayers, you know, yeah. like that, that took years 
Yeah. Um, but God has made a way, a miraculous way. Yeah, for not just him, but for so many others as well through him. And, and I think it's an encouragement to like keep, you know, ask, seek, knock. Like don't stop seeking God. He will answer. Mm. Um, it's it sometimes it you got to go <laughs> go through. <laughs> I don't know. It's convicting. It's convicting to 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 think of a little boy walking to school, um, hungry, every day, all those years. Um, I it'll, it's a picture I need to keep in my mind when I'm struggling with whatever we got going on to to say. How do I got to keep keep my faith in Him? Keep my faith in in this God that. Um, does exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible, just incredible. There's One no way other. this story should happen. No way. No. No, no way. A, a, a fatherless ten-year-old boy should be leading a ministry that is uh, serving Helping. 157 women. I uh, mean, every year, and he's only 33. Wow. Well, Joseph, if you listen to your story, thank you. Thank you for serving these women. Thank you for serving the Lord. They have hope because of you. They have a future because of your obedience and um, saying yes to the Lord and just trusting in his goodness. You have taught me so much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm grateful. Thank you, Joseph. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. With every episode, we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.